Hello, world, and welcome to Cartridge Club Portable, the only podcast devoted to everything handheld gaming. I'm your host, Curtis Freisel, and this month, my very special guest is the man who seems to have more books about video games than actual video games, Mr. Round 2 Gaming himself, Dean. How you doing, Dean? Thanks for Doing being. great, man. Thanks for having me on. This is great. It's been a long time coming. I, I know. We, we were chatting before the show. I can't believe you've never been on CC Portable before. Yeah, you know what? It's not for lack of invite. It's it's entirely my fault. I know we've tried to, to coordinate things a couple times, and, and I always seem to be uh, a little too busy. But uh, thanks for having well, me on again. Putting up absolutely. With my, uh, we got you here now. It's weird because you feel like such a presence on CC Portable because you're constantly interacting on Twitter. You know, in CC, uh, in March Madness, you sent in your reviews of the Crash and Spyro games, uh, which were amazing, by the way. Thank you so much. That's cool. Um, for our listeners out there, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about about Dean, about the man himself, Dean, uh, because right. I, I find you fascinating, Dean, because you you are into some things that I think are a little bit more niche um, that uh, are interesting to me. For instance, the books. You, you're a big like video game book collector, yeah. Yeah, just any sort of memorabilia, really. Um, I, I went on a, a little action figure stint there for a while, statues, and um, a little while after that, I got into some of the handhelds, hence uh, the Spyro and Crash stuff. Um, but now I'm, I'm really into the books, and there seems to be a big influx of authors writing about uh, you know the history of the industry um, and a little bit more developer diaries coming out. I, I think people are more interested in how games are made, and, and now that, you know, crunch and and some of the the hardships are a bit more uh public now people want to read about it so sure. i'm finding that yeah a lot of authors are coming out with with really interesting and intriguing books and i mean there's been hundreds that have been written about you know the atari days and and the crash um but more recently you know some of the the intricacies of, of microsoft and uh sony and uh, you know it's, it's really interesting to read about and, and you can read those things online but it's nice to just cozy up on the couch and read a book it's nice to know they're still out there. So, absolutely, especially right now, you know, with the COVID exactly. and lockdown and quarantine, it's uh, no better time to read a book than right now. I've I've certainly been reading a lot more. What draws you to these books? Like, what 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 are you interested in? Do you like the history? Do you get? Uh, do you like reviews? Is there a certain uh, console you're kind of more interested in, or games? So growing up playing games, I didn't have a ton of people to to be talking about uh, the different video games with, and and that that's really changed since you know the introduction of the Cartridge Club back in in 2013. Uh, that's really helped. But I find that reading these books really opens my eyes to to a lot of other things that were going on in in time periods that I maybe wasn't paying attention to. So reading about the early 90s of of consoles and some of the things that came out that I still haven't heard about is uh, is really cool. So. Any like uh, any books you can quickly recommend for us that uh, are the apple of your eye right now? Yeah, sure. So in terms of video game history, probably the best uh, written one or the most complete one is uh, Phoenix Four. Um, that that has been out for a couple of years now. There's a couple of iterations. It's Phoenix Four because it's the fourth edition. Um, but that that one is about an 800 page book on everything from. 1947 through to i think 2015 2016 it goes up to so pretty complete uh in terms of developer diaries i really like the boss fight book series if you get a chance they they have i think 23 or 24 of them out now and really what they do is they just almost outsource all of their 
uh, author permits to to people who are just passionate about those games. People write in a pitch, they like it, they'll they'll publish it, and uh, they're all written very differently, but all very good. And then there's a, a company out of France called Third Editions that that have their books translated into English, and those are really good in terms of really deep diving into a particular uh, particular game. Uh, you know, there's there's Dark Souls, there's Metal Gear, there's Final Fantasy. So um, Bioshock, if there's a series or or a game that you're intrigued about, chances are there's one that's going to be translated in, into English coming soon. So I really like that uh, that series as well. Good to know. Well, you're extremely knowledgeable about all things video games and video game uh, adjacent paraphernalia. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you here today. Not only because you haven't been on the show, but because you're super knowledgeable and I need someone to help me uh, through this discussion. Because this month we played Fire Emblem for the Game Boy Advance, which of course uh, is the first Fire Emblem game that came to Western audiences. It's the first Fire Emblem game I've ever played. Um, I don't know where you stand uh, on the Fire Emblem series, but it's a completely new introduction to me. And I was a bit overwhelmed by uh, this game, to say the least. For sure. Yeah, I could imagine. If this is your first one jumping in, and this is most people's first one jumping in, this is the first one that came to North America, right? So Absolutely. But, but you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a a hardcore fan of the series not because i don't like them it's it's more i haven't played most of them i uh god it would have been 2001 when gamecube yeah 2001 uh, my sister got a gamecube for christmas that was the first time my parents bought somebody else a console and i was a little bitter about it but i, I played <laughs> it a lot a guy got really into it uh specifically uh, smash bros uh, melee and i remember thinking like why would they waste character roster slots on on roy and marth these people nobody knows about who cares about these guys so i think like right from the get-go i had a bitter taste of uh you know fire emblem in my mouth it wasn't until uh 2014 um fellow culture club member darren from the gaming pilgrimage he put out a retrospective on his youtube channel uh for fire emblem and, and watched it and that was God, that was really in the cartridge club's infancy, right? And that would have been second season. So I was looking for any excuse to get into to new games. Like I was saying, just, you know, I finally have people to talk to about games. So so let's try some of these out. So um, a little bit of OCD had me hopping on, on eBay and buying the very first two in the series for the Famicom. It was um, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light and right. Fire Emblem Gaiden. And those are some early Famicom games. I got some translation patches, and I played through those. And my my intent was to play right from the beginning through to really? to the Wii, right? And uh, yeah, I didn't get far. I, I got through those two games, um, but they are they start off uh, pretty intense, pretty confusing. Uh, Japanese didn't help, but um, there's a lot of mechanics thrown into these things, and I can see why they weren't uh, thought to be a, a hit in the in the West right away why it took so long for them to come out here but um so i played those two and then the the next one i played after that was was actually last year three houses on, on the switch and that wow. ended up being in my my top three games of the year like i, I loved it so no kidding uh, when when you said uh, hey fire emblem we're doing it for cc portable uh, i was really excited i mean what what better place to to jump back into the series than with the game that started all out here in the west absolutely well i've had it in my collection for a few years now. And it's one of those games that you always mean to get to, but it's 
you know it's going to be a commitment when you do and you keep putting it off putting it off putting it off well it was finally time i i just wanted to sit down i wanted to introduce myself to the fire emblem series partly because uh i played mario and rabbit's kingdom battle on the switch and oh my gosh that is like one of my favorite games i've ever played it's a fantastic game oh. i i was so happy when i played that i still haven't played the donkey kong dlc but i haven't yet either yeah, yeah, but it is a great, great game. Blew me away, yeah. to say the least. And that was the first uh, tactical RPG game I've ever played. Wow, okay. Cool. And full disclosure, I'm not a fan of RPGs. A, right. they're time-consuming. I don't have the time to do this anymore. Maybe if I was younger, you know, I, I, I could have gotten into them more. But even when I was younger, I, I didn't. I never got into the turn-based system. <laughs> that being said, I have beaten a few in my day. I've played the Mario uh, RPG, uh, Thousand Year Door, um, what other non-Mario, Chrono Trigger, um, Final okay. Fantasy III on the DS. So I have a little RPG cred, but I've never played a, a tactical RPG. And sure. until I played Mario Rabbids, whoa, world of difference. I absolutely love tactical RPGs. And now I want to play everyone. All yeah. of them. I, I can't get enough. In fact, I loved... This is a little spoilery for the game we're about to talk about. I loved Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance so much, I beat it twice. Really? This month, I beat it twice. And I'll tell you why. I got all, all the way to the end, right? That's a Went lot through, of play uh, time, You, you right? play through Lynn's story, you play through Ellerwood's story. Um, I didn't play Hector's because it's kind of just a remix um, mm -hmm. on, on hard mode. But uh, I got through Ellerwood's story the first time. And I realized when you go and look at the uh, like stats that saved on the game that it had a bunch of stats from previous owners because I had bought the game used. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. And so I thought, well, maybe I can delete those. And after a little research, I, I discovered the only way you can really delete all that information is to completely reset the game. Mm. And so I sat for a moment and I was like, am I really going to reset the entire game? Yeah, I think I am. And I reset <laughs> And I went and played through the whole thing again. And it was a blast just as much uh, the second time as it was the first time. So I'm ready to gush about Fire Emblem. Are you with me, Dean? Yeah, let's do it. That sounds awesome. Fantastic. So Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance is a tactical role-playing game developed, uh, developed by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo. Uh, it was released in North America on November 3rd, 2003, and it is the first Fire Emblem game to be localized for Western audiences, but it is the seventh game in the series overall. So, little little backstory on that. The first thing I want to talk about with this game is the story. Because, again, I'm not a big fan of RPGs. And I... You know, people always go, this game had such a great story. That game had such a great story. I can't tell you what the story was for Fire Emblem. You know, it's it's sort of a, a, a product of its time, right? Like the, the Game Boy Advance, you, you couldn't really intersperse dialogue throughout, you, you know, all of the, the, the beats, the story beats. So it was yeah. really... Um, uh, battle and then you had your exposition battle Big, exposition long for, for like, reading. yeah and, and it is long it's it's a super long game did you uh, did you keep up with this this story 
Yeah, what so what I do normally in in games like this is um, I'll, I'll play through a couple chapters, hop on a wiki, and read synopsis of of the chapters that I just played, and I find that it calls out a lot of things that I just sort of skimmed over, um, and and that's what I did throughout the the story because it's it's really told like you said in in three different character arcs that are all sort of intertwining, and there's a lot of characters. I think there's uh, forty maybe fifty characters that you can get. And they really try to to develop a lot of these characters. So mm-hmm. a lot of talking, a lot of names. They've built a world around this game that seems bigger than it needs to be. And that's that's sort of what, what all the Fire Emblems do. But there's like different countries, different regions, different kingdoms, different cities. And you really only go to like a handful of them. But, you know, they're talking about all sorts of people and, and, and places. So, um, you know, you don't really know what to concentrate on. But I think if you're if you're going to summarize the story, um, you, you, the, the first 10 chapters really act as a tutorial. Uh, you play as, as sort of a faceless tactician and uh, you're you're sort of interacting with those three main characters, with Lynn, Ellawood and, and Hector. And those first 10 chapters are really Lynn's story. She's like this this nomadic tribeswoman. Uh, throughout the the chapters, you find out that she's actually heir to the throne of a, a neighboring kingdom. Her grandfather is, is heir, but her great uncle, you know, evil great uncle, trying to to take control of the throne for himself. He's uh, poisoning her grandfather slowly, and finds out she's alive. So he's sending bandits and, and mercenaries after you. And those are the equivalent of the first few chapters. And you you eventually uh, get to the kingdom and and confront your your great uncle, and you know hilarity ensues from from there. Um, but the next 20 chapters are really uh, a year later, uh, Elliwood's story, who is uh, the son of a ruler of another kingdom. That guy has gone missing and, and Elliwood sets off to find him. And um, they, they sort of all intertwine. They meet up with Lynn. They meet up with you, uh, meet up with, with Hector, who's a brother of a, another guy. And there's a lot of names and, and a lot of places and you, you sort of have to keep up. But uh, I think ultimately what happens is uh, some some wizard or, or some guy uh, sort of brings back the dragons. And historically, in, in the Fire Emblem universe, humans and dragons lived in, in harmony. And there was a big war. The, the humans sort of won out and the dragons dispersed. And uh, this guy is, is summoning back uh, sort of the, the dragons to, to take over the world, quote unquote. So, um, you know, it's it's I don't want to say it's a, you know, a standard uh, story but you know there, there's a lot of talking for something that's, that's fairly simple to explain otherwise so yeah i tried to you know i tried to stay with it but once i realized that this game was a lot longer than i thought it would be uh and how much reading there was it felt like every after every chapter the reading would get longer and longer and longer <laughs> and at a certain point i was just like you know all i want i'm so hopped up on adrenaline from this last battle that I barely managed to survive. And I so want to just get to the next battle. I don't have, I don't have time for this story stuff. I just started skipping it all, skipping it all, skipping it all. I don't, I don't care. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to get more battles, more battles, more battles. And then at the end I was like, you know, watching the credits, I'm like, wow, I missed a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, to me, it came across as kind of, you know, your classic storytelling tropes, like you said, with Lynn and the uncle. Like, it's stuff we've seen before. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, classic archetypes. Every character's got a little thing. But yeah, so, holy crap. It's like a Gore Verbinski movie. Everybody's got their own subplot that you got to keep up with. And I applaud 
the developers of the game and the creators uh, for adding that much depth and complexity to it, even if it wasn't for me. You know, for sure. Yeah. If you can relate to any character, there's a point in the game where that character is fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah. Anyone on your party, if you like them, they're going to have a moment. And if they survive through to the end of the game, they're going to have sort of a little uh, epilogue story that that's posted for, you know, this is what happened to this person over the course of the, the rest of their life. So it does sort of tell stories for each of these 40 or 50 characters that uh, I, I can see uh, people really embracing. But you, you really have to take the time to read uh if you're gonna to get the most out of it i think so absolutely but the meat and potatoes of the game for me like i said <laughs> was <laughs> the battle and <laughs> the uh, are, do you like chess i do yeah this game reminded me of chess in that you're moving your pieces around uh yeah. everybody can kind of do different moves go this one can go a little bit further you know it's got the rock paper scissors um kind of battling system with the with the weapons and uh, i'm a huge fan of chess and this game really spoke to me because of that it's almost like a ch advanced version of chess yeah i mean there's there's definitely a lot of strategy involved yeah. like every move you make is um is, is a critical one and, and like you say they have the the sort of weapons triangle where uh what is it swords beats axes axes mm -hmm. beats spears and Spears and beat it gets swords. a little bit more complex as you go on. It's almost like yeah. a, got a got a Mega Man vibe to it too. Where exactly, this yeah. weapon beats this one, but you got to be careful because this person would be weak to this, and you get magic involved, and it just you know it keeps snowballing from mm -hmm. there. Uh, so yeah, I played through the game twice, right? And it's funny because both game experiences were so different, and uh, the the first game experience. You know, it's funny who I gravitated towards with the characters and, and what my strategy would be that I would normally employ. Uh, did you have a particular set of uh, characters that you kind of gravitated towards and you built those people up? And, and uh, you know, did, did you get a lot of horse people so you could, you know, go further on the map? Did you go axe to kind of have some tough but st stay shorter in range? What, yeah, I think what did you do? Yeah, by by habit I always sort of uh, opt toward sort of the big bulky brute type characters whether it's a, a beat em up game or an RPG. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, I really focused pretty heavily on on um you know Hector and Dorcas and uh, Bart or... yeah, yeah, Bartley or whatever his name yeah. is, yeah. Uh, Hawkeye. Okay. Uh, the, did you get the pirate uh Dart? I did get the pirate. I didn't play with him much though. Right. Yeah, but but yeah, those sort of big axe wielding characters mm -hmm. that are just brute force. Because um, unlike some other strategy games, this is very much your turn, their turn, your turn, their turn. You move all your units; they move all their units. Where other strategy games um, can often be, you move one character, they move another character, or your characters move at the same time, so you have to anticipate where they're going to move to, mm -hmm. and then so you you know with with these big broody characters. I was able to uh, move the ones out of the way that I didn't want want around, and I was able to surround other units with some, you know, four big heavy hitters. So uh, I found that worked well for me. Um, didn't focus enough on the magic, and toward the end of the game, I think that hurt me a lot because those those brutes aren't going to do anything against you know the last few enemies. So that, I that was hard. Completely agree. Yeah. That was kind of the same approach I took. Um, I would get kind of one person for each weapon and really build them up. You know, like I had 
Marcus on the horse and he, he was my horse guy and I built him up really good. I had, um, Oswin as my knight, you know? And so he was my like uh, javelin guy and spear guy built him up a lot. And then, uh, uh I, I think Hawkeye, I ended up building up as my ax guy. Um, but I did not build up any magic people and I did not build up the Lords very much. So the, the right. three late lead characters, Lynn, uh, Ellawood and Hector Lynn, I did all right with. Um, and, and one thing that I loved about her is her luck is so high that, uh, nobody can speed, hit her and her speed. Yeah. Nobody can hit her. So yeah. she might not have the most defense or health, but you can go into battle and you can feel pretty confident that nobody's going to even touch her because she's yeah. so fast. I love that. That was really fun. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a similar thing that I played through the second time I played it. I now that I knew what to do I, and what the characters were that I was going to focus on, I was much more uh, pointed and, and focused. And I did build up my magic characters way more. Like the second I got Pent, like he yeah. was my main guy. I was doing as much magic as I could to build up him. And um, I, I built up uh, one of my bow and arrow guys. I think it was Will. I made yeah. him super strong. So my ranged attacks were great. Um, I ended up getting one of the Wyvern riders. The second time, oh uh, nice, yeah, I yeah. Get, I didn't get a wyvern writing. Yeah, it's it was there. There's, I figured you must be able to get a wyvern rider. I, I'll admit, <laughs> I cheated. I cheated a little bit, but I figured because you got the the uh, item that allows you to upgrade a, yep. a wyvern rider, and I was like, yep. well, I never had a wyvern rider. How do you get the wyvern rider? And so after I beat the game the first time, I was like, how do you get a wyvern rider? And there's an enemy in the game that you can talk to at a certain point and if you talk to her she'll join your team yeah so i got that uh but yeah it was it was a lot I, i'm blown away by the amount of characters there are and the amount of choice you have and variations i mean you could play this game over and over and over and over again and have a completely different game every time it's, yeah, it feels like there's like a few dozen classes between the characters and you, you really have to almost master them all to really know what to use. And I, I wouldn't mind playing again absolutely, like a, a second time or a third time just to see, OK, well, based on what I learned these past 30 chapters, how can I do things differently? Like you say, focus more on magic, maybe have a healer heal every turn, even if it's just one health, just get that experience up, buffer up for, for mm -hmm. later. So now one thing that blew me away. Or not blew me away. One thing that surprised me, or caught me off guard, rather, the first time I played through, was I was not aware that this was a permadeath game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Fire Emblem's so, for that. there was a few characters that I was just like, ah, whatever, they died this battle, I'll get them back at the end. And then I realized very quickly, oh, you don't get them back. But I'd already kind of committed so much to the game. I'm like, ah, okay, I guess I'm going to keep playing and never have them again. You know, like my Pegasus Rider. I think she died the first uh, chapter I got her in. <laughs> yeah. Serena? Yeah, she, she's Florina. terrible. Oh, yeah, man. she's not very good at all. I no. tried. She's just not that good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the permadeath. Where, where do you stand on, on the permadeath? I, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, I, th I think it's it's part of this this collectionist mentality where I, I like to have as many items as I can get. I like to have all the characters. I like to have all my weapons. So I, I hate when characters die. I hate when weapons break. Like just, I have them. Let me keep them. Let me, let me keep them. Um, so I had a lot of, uh, like after every chapter I would save and then safety save. 
and I went back and played a lot of chapters um, a couple different ways just to to make sure I came out on top with by the end it was impossible to, to keep that, everybody. Okay, so that's a great segue into my next question, which was okay. going to be, did you ever lose a character in battle, turn the system off, turn it back on so you could restart it to save oh, yeah. the character? All the time, probably for the first 25 chapters. Yeah. I, I played them right through and I, I kept as many characters, all the characters. Yeah, um, and then once I realized chapter, that permadeath. I couldn't, couldn't do it. Right. Once I realized that, I was the same way. And this game is a long game. I mean, I would mm-hmm. say uh, about 20 hours, I think. Oh, at least, yeah, yeah. 15 to 20, I think. Because the second time I played through it, I think I clocked out at like somewhere around 15. But I already okay. knew what to do. I think yeah. about 20 hours if you're not going back and restarting all the time. But those restarts... Because once you get into the later chapters, you know, there's 30, 31 chapters in this game. Mm-hmm. Once you get into the later ones, they'll take about an hour per yep. chapter. You know, minimum, minimum. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, <laughs> it is so disheartening when you get, and I can't tell you how many times this happened to me. You get to like the final bad guy, like the boss, whatever. Once you kill him, you know, the chapter's over. And so you've been putting off fighting him because you're trying to do all this other stuff, build up your other characters, and then you go and you someone gets killed. Yep. And, and you, they, they, they are tough, man, those bosses. Like, they're, they're not just, like, are. yeah, one or two notches above. Like, they, they are, like, good ten notches above anybody else you play on the field. So by the time you get there, you think, okay, well, I just beat 40 other guys. How hard can this guy be? And he'll take you all out. Like, yep. it's, it's crazy. It's, oh, and I can't tell you how many times. I uh, I restarted, and I'll tell you, yeah. I'm playing on my modded Game Boy Advance. Or I played on my modded Game Boy Advance, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's the old. It doesn't have the the rechargeable batteries. It's the yeah. the old old school double A batteries. I went through I think fourteen batteries mm-hmm. playing this game. Yeah, sounds about right. And a part of it is turning the game on and off. I feel like blows through the batteries faster for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I think that startup just eats the juice. Yep, yeah. yep. And I because the second time I played it, I didn't stop barely at all, and mm-hmm. I only needed like two or four batteries for that whole playthrough. Where like the first one, I needed like ten or twelve. Oh, I was buying batteries like crazy. Yeah. Um, but yes, it was that was that was a trick to get used to, you know. Uh, Oh, so we were talking about the the Wyvern Rider. Did you did you talk to or did you go out of your way to try and figure out how to get different party members? No, I, I think I finished the game. I, I must have missed a lot because, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how many characters there were. But, um, yeah, I, I probably finished the game with like 30 uh, yeah. out of like. 45 or 50 so i must have missed a lot i thought i talked to as many people as i could it doesn't really give you like a good indication that that's a person you can talk to like there's a little bit of dialogue like at the beginning that's okay well this guy is sitting on the fence he doesn't know where he wants to be what what team he wants to be on so i can probably talk to them but like getting lynn up close and personal with somebody to to try to talk to them is 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 a hard and risky thing to do so and sometimes if i didn't know for sure then i wasn't doing it yeah, like that Wyvern Rider, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, you have to talk to her with Ellawood, or you won't, okay. she won't. She won't join your team. You can't just go up willy nilly and talk to her with someone. It's got to right. be Ellawood. Right. 
And so, and yeah, I, it made me wonder. I, I didn't look into this, so I'm not sure. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. But I, I also feel like when you go and visit houses, does it matter who you go to visit with? Will you get different outcomes? Will, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I know that by going to houses, you do get some dialogue with the residents. And sometimes they give you items. Sometimes they join your team. But yeah, does it matter who you go with? That would that's crazy. That's a lot of replay value for sure. Yeah. But uh, how, how do you how do you do that? You you have thirty characters on the on the screen. You go to the village with all of them. Uh, right. Yeah. And so. then um, you know, like there there you get these crests later on in the game that you allow you to upgrade your characters. Um, and one of them is for like fighters, like your axe guys. And it says like this is for like fighters and mercenaries and like myrmidons or something mm -hmm. and i was like i never saw a mercenary or a myrmidon or whatever <laughs> like where, where are those where do you even find those right you know yeah. uh, i've never my whole playthrough in two playthroughs i was like i never ran into a myrmidon or whatever the heck that is or a mercenary <laughs> once and there's other ones too you know yeah 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 that's a good point uh i didn't really look at the items a whole lot but yeah they, they definitely foreshadow some classes that you you might have missed myrmidons too though i i they're they i've played with them a lot is, in, in three houses it's it's like a, a fast like agile character right uh, okay um but uh yeah i didn't play i didn't find any of those at all so hmm. yeah yeah it's crazy I, I wouldn't mind just hopping on a wiki and seeing everything i missed and then I wonder if there's a path that you can follow that just lets you collect everybody. Or right. if, if it's like sort of an either or, you know, you have to have these characters in your group, but you can't have them if these characters are in your group. So it'd be interesting to see if there'd be like a perfect path. Yeah. Well, Dean, do you have anything else you'd like to throw in about uh, Fire Emblem? I, I, I ran through my, uh, my talking uh, points. Um, it's, it's hard. I found it to be really, really difficult. And we touched on that, but um, I, you know, I think the, the farther along you get, it, it doesn't get any easier. There's side quests that you can opt to do, which, which sort of help. Um, but I would say pick your favorite characters right off the bat and, and, and really level them up, grind them, figure out what you want to do with them sort of long-term and um, you know, give them the weapons that they need to, to upgrade their, their weapons. And support is also a pretty cool mechanic. I don't know if you saw much of that um definitely available in like three houses um but the way it works is if you're you're sort of fighting alongside a character um and they have a, a compatibility uh, you can sort of level up that compatibility so as they fight together um throughout the game uh, you you get more damage or you you get perks along along the way yeah i i noticed the support thing and i did it a few times when I would place a character and I didn't have anything else for them to do, but it said support. I was like, yeah, I'll do support. But I never understood what it was accomplishing or how I could take advantage of it, I guess. Yeah. The and it's, it's, it. it's not super clear, right? Like there's only certain characters that you can do it with and, you know, you have to sort of match make them and, and make sure they're always sort of together on the battlefield. So it's hard. But yeah, I, I, I would say maybe just hop on a wiki. And, uh, and take a look, see what, what the possibilities are, and then plan your playthrough around that. Don't Absolutely. spoil it, but, but just know what you're getting yourself into, because I think it will be a better experience overall. And this is not a game that you can really just be one and done with it. You know, this game begs to mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. D 
deep dived into to really take advantage of every everything it has to offer. And I I am so happy I played it. I really I really am, and I'm looking forward to playing more in this series now. I'm happy you played it too, and that's that's awesome. That it's your first Fire Emblem game. I'm I'm curious what you think uh, of the rest of them. I would say go forward, not backward. Uh, so that's what I hear. Although I I was looking up some lists after, mm-hmm. and they were saying they were highly recommending. I'd love to. This this is kind of my dream right now is to get a um, uh, not a, a homebrew a reproduction cart mm-hmm. with English translation of the Super Nintendo games because those are always ranked very highly from what I read. Right. Right. And uh, I would love to get a repro cart of that. Of the, I think there's like a couple of them on the Super Nintendo. And that yeah. would make my day because Super Nintendo is my jam, you know. For sure, for sure. Last month was the 30th anniversary of Fire Emblem, right? April to, uh, 1990. That's why I chose it to right. it's, 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 I totally planned that. <laughs> this is not a happy accident that it happens to be the 30th anniversary. There you go. But uh, Nintendo's overdue for a compilation card. Like the th- these aren't huge games, and and I, I would love to see something on the Switch where it's like, like here's a bunch of Fire Emblem games. There's a ton of playtime in there. You know the specs aren't too high. It's it's sprites and strategy. But um, you know I, I would love to have a compilation of like the first ten games before they got into, you know, the Wii. I agree. Wii. I mean I think they're popular enough now mm-hmm. that Nintendo doesn't need to be scared of localizing it for western right. audiences all i mean we have all these games that we missed mm-hmm. i mean you're, you're sitting on a gold mine there yeah and these compilations for the switch have been selling like hotcakes it seems like it doesn't matter what you put out people will buy it yeah yeah like it's smash I mean, like there's there's 40 fire emblem characters in that game so <laughs> exactly uh well great with that are we ready dean for the three questions of doom Let's do it. Oh, I'm excited. Question number one, Dean, is this a good portable game? I, I think it's a perfect portable game. I, I, I really do. I think um, I think the genre itself lends itself to portability, right? There, there's not a lot of like pixel perfect jumps that you have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't have to to really pay attention. You can stop and put the game down. You know, if there's if there's turbulence on an airplane, you, you just put it put it down and then pick it back up and you know you're not shot by bullets or, or anything like that um if there's glare like if you're sitting out on your balcony you can take your time read through the menus there's not a lot of like small pixels to to try and see what's happening so i think in all cases from a portable perspective it just it works really well it's it's long though i will say that and for a battery operated handheld it you're gonna go through like a dozen batteries oh yeah minimum I, I agree. I would recommend if you're going to play it on a portable system, not on mm-hmm. like the Game Boy Player on the GameCube or anything, uh, use the uh, SP or something that has a rechargeable battery because it is going to eat those double A's like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. But it is absolutely an amazing portable game. And the thing I loved the most about it, well, maybe not the thing I love most, but one of the things I really loved about the game is it has autosave no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you how many times I was in the middle of an hour long battle and suddenly I had to, you know, run to the bathroom or go to dinner or, you know, insert whatever right here. All you can all you had to do, shut off the game. When you turn it back on, it will plop you exactly where you left off. 
can't believe that that is a feature on a Game Boy Advance game. You never see that. That was yeah. really cool. And yeah. when I discovered that, it took it up to a whole nother level for me uh, for appreciation. So, yes, good portable game, 1,000%. Nice. Question number two. Should this game belong in your collection? You know, I would say yes, but because of the price point, based on the others I've played, they're all super similar in, in terms of um, story and mechanics. I would say buy a cheaper one, like Three Houses or, or one of the newer ones. See if you like that first and then look at buying it. Because I think it's like $100 loose. Like it, it's what? not cheap. Yeah, the, Fire Emblem. The Game Boy Advance one. Yeah. It's $100 loose? I don't even remember what I paid for it, but it wasn't that. I tell you that. Well, it's it's not cheap. So, yeah, I, I, I would say you're, you're probably, because I don't know if you, can you get it on a virtual console like the eShop? I don't think you can. Um, it was on the, I believe, the Wii U virtual console. Okay. But that that was it. So, like six people. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would say, like, try out a newer one if you like the mechanics and, and you can keep up with the crazy character roster and, and the convoluted stories. Um, then maybe think about investing in it. But I think you can have a similar experience for a cheaper price. So I would say no. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting I, I love the game. Well I love the game. Point. But yeah. But, yeah. Um, I would say yes, but mm -hmm. I had no idea about this price point thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if it, if it, you know, I, I want to say I got it for like 35, 40 bucks. Yeah, so I, I paid 120 uh, and it was complete, but that was years ago. Right. So I can't imagine it's gone down. But, but I right. would not I, say it's if you have to pay more than that, mm -hmm. that you should get it. Yeah. So uh, we'll say that. Question number three, the big one, Dean, out of five, five being perfect, mm -hmm. how would you rate this game? It's, it's a hard one, man. I, you know, normally I'd say 3.5, but I know this show I did. <laughs> You don't do the points, so you know I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bump it down to three. Don't yeah, worry. yeah. I'm sorry, man. I I think it's a great game. It's three point five in my eyes. Uh, but but I would say uh, you know I enjoyed some of the other the other Fire Emblem game I played better, and I would have ranked that maybe a four out of five. So I think it, it's it's you really have to like this style of game. And if I were to compare it with like Mario and Rabbids, I, I, I kind of like Mario and Rabbids more. Well, Mario like, and Rabbids to me is a five out of five game. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, it's perfect. It's so good. Yeah. But we're not talking about that game. We're talking about Fire Emblem. Wow, Dino gives it a three. I'm going to go ahead, and usually I'm the harsher critic. I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. Um, sure. Because it just, it, it, I don't know. Maybe this is uh, because it's my first you know, kind of, or not my first, my first Fire Emblem game and my second tactical RPG that I've ever played. I'm still very fresh and new to this genre. So maybe that's kind of influencing this, but I'm, it gave me all the good feels that I was hoping to get. And uh, I'm, I'm giving it a four. I marked it down because it's a little unintuitive at points, you know, like we said, with the support system, um getting other characters there's some things that it's just a little too obtuse that i think uh, you, who, how do you figure this out without going online or uh, the instruction booklet and in an age where most of these games are purchased used where you don't have an instruction booklet that might be hard to do right mm -hmm. 
so that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna mark it down. Um, but with the the save feature, oh man, I love that save feature and just fantastic, really tight gameplay, really fun. Yeah, it's, it gets a four from me. Totally fair, man. Awesome. There you go, a three from Dean, a four from Curtis, and that is it for Fire Emblem on Game Boy Advance. Of course. I always like to keep it going for you guys. If you had fun playing this game, if you haven't even played it, but you play it, you love it, you want to keep going, I like to recommend something else for you to to move on to. Now, like I said, I don't have a lot of experience in the tactical RPG realm, and I'm kind of maybe um, stepping out of line here recommending this because I haven't played it myself, but I am certainly on the lookout for Fire Emblem The Sacred Stones on the Game Boy Advance so I can play the next uh, installment of this franchise. And so that's what I'm going to say for my keep it going. Nice. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you. Do you have, you, you have a little bit more experience than I do. Do you have a game you'd like to recommend? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I have a lot of recommendations. I would say if you're, if you're sticking to the game boy advance, there's, there's a great series called advanced wars oh. and it's, it's a little more modern, but, uh, and, and the style is a little bit different. But it's a fantastic game. I would say jump into that, try it out. If you like it, there's a lot more in the series. Um, but if you if you want something a little more modern, uh, maybe console based, um, not even more modern, still 90s. But uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is is fantastic. It takes sort of the universe of Final Fantasy and creates a sort of a strategy uh, game around that, or a game called Cartia, which is a pretty pretty obscure game for the PS1. Um, but really focuses heavy on the um, the rock paper scissors mechanic, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that one as well. And Vandal Hearts, you know, people just buy a PlayStation. Like, there's so many great games on there. That I didn't realize Vandal Hearts was a tactical RPG. It is, yeah, yeah. Vandal Hearts one and two, yeah. I had Vandal Hearts, mm-hmm. and I sold it. I had just someone had gifted it to me. You know, oh, okay. it was like somebody was like, oh, I'm getting rid of these old video games. You want them? And I was like, heck yeah, trade bait. I can sell yeah. them, get something I really like. I didn't realize that now because Vandal Hearts is a little bit on the spendier side. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, get get it back, man. It's, it's a good <laughs> game. Well, I might, I might be on the lookout for that now. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, those are our recommendations to keep you going. And now it's time to talk about what is coming up in the Cartridge Club. We're going to start with CC Prime. So it is May, or it was May, and CC Prime just finished off Undertale. Did you play that, Dean? I did. I Well, you know what? I played maybe the first five or six hours trying on a pacifist run. It's my first time playing, uh, and it's it's not super easy. So taking my time with it. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, coming up in June, they're going to be playing Gears of War, uh, the first one. So the start of the popular gears of war franchise i have no, i've never played that game i have nothing to add have you ever played gears of war I, I yeah i played the first two um long time ago so i'll probably jump into this one and i don't play on my xbox enough so good excuse to hmm. dust that off Groovy. and then of course we have the quick save club they just finished playing terraria uh in may and coming up in june they do uh two months for each game uh, coming up for June and July, it's going to be Anti-Chamber. So I have no idea what that game is, but I'm sure it's amazing because they uh, they picked it. 
Have you played Antichamber? You seem like I, you... No, yeah. no, no. Never played Antichamber, but I, I this these past two months, I probably put 150 hours into Terraria for the first time. I was on the podcast, oh. and it's... Uh, I got yeah. sucked in sucked in hard. 150 so, hours? Yeah. yeah in the last pretty, month? Two months. Two months? They do, they do it oh, every right, two months. Right. Yeah, yeah. Goodness so. gracious, Dean. You're yeah, a madman. Well, I didn't beat it twice, man. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And that brings us to CC Portable. What is coming up in CC Portable? Well, you may have noticed, if you listen to the show, that I haven't necessarily been talking about what's coming up in CC Portable. And there's a reason for that. This is the second to last episode of CC Portable. For this season? For this series. What? Yes. Um, this may come as a shock. I haven't really talked about it. In fact, I, I went back and forth whether or not I wanted to pull the trigger on this, but I think my time has come to an end for CC Portable. Um, I'm not, I, I, I'm not burnt out. Um, I love CC Portable. I love doing it. I do feel like I have played what I wanted to play. Uh, I've said what I wanted to say. And if someone wants to take up the reins, be my guest, I give them full permission. But uh, I have some other projects that I'm very excited about that I have in the works that I want to devote time to um, that CC Portable is taking away from. And I love CC Portable. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, the reason I started the whole thing was just so I could play Donkey Kong on the Game Boy because I kept trying to get Cartridge Club to play it. And they wouldn't. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to start my own podcast so I can finally talk about that game. Um, and here we are at the end of season three. This is the last episode of season three. I said it's the second to last episode because we're going to still do one more. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But I also like closure and finality to things because it makes what came before it more important. And so I want to give CC Portable uh, an ending if this is the final ending who knows if somebody wants to take it up i i certainly don't i'm putting it out there in the world right now feel free if anyone wants to you know play some more handheld games it's all yours but my time curtis's time is coming to an end having said that we are going to have one more cc portable and that's going to be this next month june and i'm going to call it cc portable mania what is cc portable mania well uh, much like the tradition of March Madness that we would do every month, I am letting you guys play whatever you want, as long as it's a handheld. So no longer are you confined to a system or a franchise or even a single game. You can play whatever you want. And we're just going to celebrate handheld gaming in the month of June. Uh, I want to hear all you guys, what you're playing, what you love. I'm sure I'll talk about some games that I uh, like on the podcast, some uh, games we never played on CC Portable that I'd like to recommend um, and maybe, you know, take a stroll down memory lane. Who knows? I certainly don't. But that's what we're going to be doing in June. Dean, I know you're caught off guard because you didn't know about this. <laughs> I kind of want a genuine reaction, which is yeah. why I didn't. You know, it, it, it's it's bittersweet, Curtis. I, I totally understand. Like this is, you know, to to vote, to vote yourself every month to to a podcast and manage to play through games, especially ones long long like this one. It's it's a hard job. Um, but I will say, right from Donkey Kong, like th this has been a great way 
for somebody who travels like me or or is is commuting you know a, a couple hours a day in and out of work um uh, handhelds are, are a great way for me to experience games and and this offshoot of the the cartridge club um uh, podcast has, has really allowed me to sort of broaden that all the way you know back to the the, the original game boy through psp and and 3ds and uh, some of the, the Tiger Electronics and and McDonald's toys, like it, it's really covered the gamut and really allowed me to explore the collection a lot more. So I'm I'm hoping that the listeners take heart and and somebody picks up the torch because this is a this is a great thing that you got going. And uh, thank you for for all the hard work over the past three seasons. That's been awesome. Well, thank you. I, I had a ball. I I really did. And uh, this does not mean I'm done. I, I want to make this clear. This does not mean I'm done with the Cartridge Club by any stretch of the imagination. If somebody else did take it up, I would happily come on and actually be a guest on CC Portable. Wow, wouldn't that be weird? Um, mm-hmm. I also hope to actually be a guest on CC Prime again. Ever since I started doing CC Portable, <laughs> I haven't been a guest on CC Prime. And they've played a few games that I'm like, ah, I wish I could have got to talk about that with them. Maybe even... Um, Quick save club, you know, whenever they finally get around to FTL, if you're listening <laughs> faster than light and finally play that, dang it. Uh, I'd love to be on that one. But yeah, I am not done with the cartridge club at all. I love the club. I support the club. I want to do everything I can to promote the club. Um, but I just like I said, I got some other things that are in the pipeline. I don't really want to, uh, you know, spoil them just yet, but know that there are other things in the works right now and exciting man that's exciting that's what i'm gonna say um so with that we have come to the plugs which is a little awkward because i'll say what i normally say but only because it's ironic because this is almost over so uh, (laughs) as always you can jump online and go to cartridgeclub.org where you can find out what we're all about uh you can Hop on the forums or in the Discord chat. Chat with us about games, movies, whatever. Everything's there. Uh, it's a it's a great club. And if you're just listening to us for the first time, you should go check it out. Uh, you can also find me at CC Portable Unite on Twitter, where you can tell me what games you'd like to play. Just kidding. And if you'd want to be a guest on the show, like my friend Dean here, uh, <laughs> which would not happen anymore. But Dean, why don't you tell us about you, where we can find you, and what you got going on? Sure. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter, round underscore two underscore gaming. Um, also on the Cartridge Club Discord and just around the community in general. If you guys haven't heard of the Cartridge Club, um, definitely check it out. The, the portable is just one arm of uh, a pretty great community. So check it out and see what you like. And there's probably something there for you. And you're like one of the founding fathers. I mean, I don't know if people realize this, <laughs> but you're like... I can't believe, thank God, we had you on this episode of CC Portable. I would have been remiss if we never got you on one. So I think it's kismet that we got you on the, the last, you know, true episode of CC Portable. That's humbling, man. Thank you. And uh, I, Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you. So thanks for coming on. Cheers. Great. Having said that, thanks for playing along, guys. And we will see you next month for CC Portable Mania. CC Unite. Just this morning, I took a big long look around. I've lived it up and loved it up and done it in this town. Life goes on, look like it's time for moving on. 
Fall in 